Welcome to the C.S. Joseph Podcast. I'm your host, C.S. Joseph. Today's acolyte question is an odd one. What place does music have within the context of the coming catastrophe? What an odd question. I never thought I would be asked this question, especially from an ego hacker. But I think it has a lot to do with some of my uh, prophetic views, I would say, or at least prescient views is probably more accurate. Prescience being what expert intuition is pre-science is the spelling, basically gives me the ability to see in the future and see things before they happen, right? You could kind of say that I'm a precognitive. All expert intuition heroes are precognitive. Even expert intuition child is also precognitive. And that's because I maintain there's a huge disaster, a huge catastrophe coming around the corner in the form of basically the four horsemen, the apocalypse, you know, uh, but most specifically famine and war. It's absolutely coming. It's going to be a huge problem. It's even, uh, you know, the, uh, the biblical verses from which I derive my life purpose from, which is Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, quote, In the last days I will send my prophet Elijah to you. He will turn the hearts of fathers to their sons and the hearts of sons to their fathers, or else I will strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. That's a serious problem, which basically means if there's a lack of masculinity and fatherlessness is prevalent, what's going to end up happening is that God the Creator would strike the earth with a decree of utter destruction, and then we're completely screwed. It might even wipe out our race. I would prefer to avoid that outcome. That's why I'm so anti-fatherlessness. That's why I set up the Ego Hacker community, specifically to be this group of people who will stand up and against that and actually work to bring back the mature masculine and bring back the mature feminine in order to prevent that outcome, right? Now, I may not be the prophet Elijah, but his mission is mine, and that's literally why I do everything that I do. That is the entire point behind this YouTube channel, this podcast, this community. Everything I do is with that in mind. Because I've realized that fatherlessness is ultimately the reason why we are going to lose our society. And we may even lose the earth. Our greatest gift, the earth. We may lose it. It may be taken away from us, literally because of that. And why Elijah? Elijah was this warrior prophet. Elijah is an anti-feminist. You know, what happens when you call a woman a Jezebel? Most people think that she's a dirty cheater, or she's a whore, or she's had sex, or she's very promi- uh, with various men. She's a very promiscuous woman, right? That's not true. That's false. It's actually bullshit. What is a Jezebel? A Jezebel is actually a feminist, a feminist woman. That is a Jezebel. Why? Well, because Jezebel was this false prophetess way back in the days of the prophet Elijah. And in order to be a man and part of her entourage, basically, because they worshiped this false god named Baal, basically, according to the story. And uh, in order to be a man, a a member of her entourage, you would have to be castrated, basically. You would be castrated. So Jezebelian thinking and Jezebel influence, especially in, in Israel in those days, uh, according you know, to uh, the biblical uh, account of the story, 
basically is they were feminists, basically. And it was feminism. And uh, God the Creator basically impressed upon his warrior prophet, Elijah, to wipe them out. And they were basically purged. He purged all the feminists out of Israel. But why? Why a decree of utter destruction? Why? Well, think about it. It goes back to the story of Garden of Eden, the first uh, recorded instance in history that we see hypergamy, the female sexual strategy, where Eve ends up having sexual relations with the serpent because, you know, the fruit, the fruit on the tree of knowledge of good and evil was actually sexuality. And it says, don't touch the fruit. But in the oldest, oldest translation, the connotation of the word touch had a sexual connotation. So the fruit basically was sexuality. So she had sexual relations with the serpent. And then she had sexual relations with Adam. The serpent was her alpha seed and Adam was her beta mead, which is basically hypergamy. This is why in the context of the Garden of Eden, when God delivered his curses and his punishments on Adam, Eve, and the serpent, um, uh, Eve received two curses and Adam received one. The two curses that Eve received was for one for each side of her hypergamy. For the beta side of her hypergamy, it was, I will greatly increase her childbearing pain. Okay, why is that? Well, this is actually explained later in uh, Deuteronomy, basically, because in Deuteronomy, it basically states that women's childbearing pains, I, I'm hella paraphrasing here. I'm just basically explaining the meaning by hella paraphrasing. So that childbearing pain was increased so that women would not multiply burdens upon their men, basically. Which, and why? Why burdens upon men? Because the beta side, the beta traits are protection, parental investment, and provisioning, right? Providing, being that provider, right? So men being a provider to women, basically, and their children. So as to not multiply burdens upon them, increasing their child, her, uh, you know, women's uh, childbearing pain, you know? This is why epidurals actually undo that curse that was given upon women so that they would not be encouraged to multiply uh, burdens, AKA excess children or too many children on the men's ability to provide for the women and the children, right? That's the beta side of, that's the curse of the beta side of female hypergamy and their sexual strategy. The alpha side is, and it goes like this, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you, basically meaning that she has to submit to her man uh, instead of, you know, going off and being with other men, basically, right? This is a challenge to her promiscuousness. And this happens consistently, especially when you think about development phase, uh, according to women's hypergamy. Development phase is a woman at 35 to like 42, and she starts missing the alphas she used to lay with, you know, in her early 20s during her party years, you know? from 20 to 26, basically, before she has an epiphany phase. Epiphany phase hits a woman at 26 where she realizes her looks can't compete with younger girls anymore, and she's not able to get the highest quality of men anymore when she was previously. She misses those uh, higher quality men, higher quality men being alpha men who have alpha fitness, alpha thinking, uh, put themselves above everybody else, kind of like this alpha selfishness that she's, the, the bad boys, basically, that women are attracted to, right? So, your desire will be for your husband, he will rule over you. And that is God's curse on women uh, for, and ultimately why women have competition anxiety, for example. God's curse upon women in order to, uh, you know, 
deal with the alpha side of their hypergamy, which now doesn't really matter because women are encouraged to engage in open hypergamy within this Babylonian bullshit Western society that we live in. Okay, that too is another issue. But what curse was given to Adam? And this fits directly with the prophecy in Malachi where it talks about striking the land with utter destruction if there is no masculinity left on the earth. Adam put Eve on a pedestal. She literally cucked him, which is basically the female equivalent of raping a man. Raping a man is not really that big of a deal, really. Raping a woman is a huge deal because of the psychological damage, but how do you deal the same level of psychological damage to a man that a woman would suffer if she was raped? And that is by cucking him, having sex with another man, but then also having children with that man. That's why when a woman cheats on a man, that man goes to that woman is like, he wants all the visceral details, where it happened, how it happened, everything. He wants all the details because he's trying to figure out paternity. He wants to know if that child belongs to him or not. In the animal kingdom, like for example, lions, if a lion comes in and, see, and ends up being with a, a lioness and that lioness is with that lion, and if she already has children, that lion will kill her children, basically, because he's not going to be there for those children. He's going to be there for his children, basically. And this happens throughout the animal kingdom. So, so Adam put Eve on a pedestal, and even though she cucked him, he's like, oh, I love you anyway, you know, and he listened to her, participated with her, had sex with her from a beta perspective when he should have actually rejected her because she went to the serpent. So, what did God do? He dealt a curse. But the curse wasn't on the man. The curse was on the ground. The curse was on the earth itself. It produces thistles and rocks and cursed is the ground. Cursed is the earth because of you. And by the sweat of your brow, by your toil, by your hard work, only then you will eat of it for the rest of your life and then you will die. And that's known as the male burden of performance, right? So... In that situation, God was basically complaining to Adam and punishing Adam, punishing the earth because of Adam, because of a Adam's lack of masculinity. Adam put his masculine idealism, used his masculine idealism to put Eve on a pedestal when he shouldn't have, okay? And that's a problem. That's a huge problem. He put Eve on a pedestal. He put Eve above God, basically. He wasn't being masculine, truly masculine. He only was leaning into his beta traits and ignoring his alpha traits. He lacked self-respect. He put this woman on a pedestal, and that upset God. And instead of punishing Adam directly, he punished the ground. He punished the earth. What happens if humanity collectively loses its masculinity? Well, I will strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. The earth will be completely annihilated at that point completely destroyed. So that's a problem. It's so interesting that this Malachi verses are the exact final verses of the Old Testament compared to what happened at the very beginning of the Old Testament, which is the story in the Garden of Eden and what Adam basically did to, which caused the earth to be cursed. And then God will curse the earth again with a decree of utter destruction. Very fascinating if you think about it. So this is what the upcoming catastrophe actually is. And there'll be a huge war, and it'll be really bad. This is, and if you don't 
believe or want to have anything to do with the biblical approach, that's fine. Go to Strauss and Howe instead and read the book, The Fourth Turning. It explains it very well in detail from a very non-biblical perspective using actual data and actual Jungian psychology to back up their claims about the fourth turning. Maybe you should pay attention to that, right? So that ends up becoming an issue. So does music have a place in the upcoming catastrophe? <laughs> of course it does. Why? Because music is actually a way for people to express how they feel, especially with how men express how they feel. Oftentimes when you listen to music, you can see just how beta that music is. Or in certain cases, you can see how alpha that music is. You can see both sides of a woman's hypergamy being satisfied by music produced by men. So of course, music has a place in the upcoming catastrophe. All I would ask is that your music, if you're producing music, should be around having lyrics or explanation or at least convey some kind of support for the return of the mature masculine to the world because that's ultimately what's going to save the world. A return of the mature masculine. That is what's going to save the world. Prevention of fatherlessness. Write songs and produce music that does that to help people realize that there is another way, that we can actually have a future, that we actually can move forward together as a species and not be enslaved by this bullshit Babylonian society that we exist in right now. And I just explained archetypically, you know, using biblical examples. I know that me using biblical examples just pisses everybody off oftentimes, you know, here on this channel and on the podcast. I get it. It's a thing, but I can't help it because that's just how I was raised. And I don't expect you to be a Christian. I don't expect you to read the Bible. I don't expect any of that from you. I have no such expectation. I'm just telling you this is how I grew up. This is a part of my personal belief system and part of my worldview. That's all it is. It doesn't make me any lesser than anyone else. You know, Everyone expects me to respect their belief system, so why not try respecting mine? It's not like mine's incorrect as much as your belief systems are not incorrect. You know, it's just like, meet me in the middle here. You know, just meet me in the middle. Actually realize that there's, there's a lot more out there than people realize because archetypes absolutely matter. This is proven in Jung's, Carl Jung's book, uh, Ion, A-I-O-N. Read Ion. In fact, four sides dynamics and the four sides of the mind are entirely derived by the first five chapters of that book, Ion. It is my number one source for the four sides of the mind. You might want to check that out. But the final, uh, the rest of the book is actually about archetypes involving, you know, um, Christian-based archetypes and how that could be pretty crazy. I mean, even Jordan Peterson has said that the scariest book that he ever read was Carl Jung's Ion. Very fascinating. Might want to check that out, you know, just on that alone. So, but yes, music absolutely has a place in the coming catastrophe. In fact, music can be utilized to prevent the coming catastrophe. Just start telling the truth. Use music as a vehicle to help bring back the mature masculine. That way, we all can actually have a future. Because if anyone was to come up and ask me, hey, Chase, do you think our children have a future? I would say no. Right now, I would say no. No, we don't. Our children do not have a future. And that's a problem. That's a huge problem. You know, that's why I work so hard for this community, for the ego hacker community. I work so hard to bring back mature masculinity 
that I try to live as an example of the mature masculine to other people, especially men, but also to women in my life and on this YouTube channel and on this podcast specifically for these reasons, okay? That way our children actually do have a future. Otherwise, the earth that they will inherit is an earth that is cursed with utter destruction and then we, we lose our race, we lose our future, we, we lose everything. This is my vision. This is my vision for the ego hacker community. This is my vision for the world to bring back mature masculinity because it is written if the people lack vision or when people lack a vision, then they perish. And I'm trying to prevent us from perishing. And we are literally on the cusp, just about to get to the point where this catastrophe could literally cause all of humanity to perish unless we make these changes. So yes, use your music as a vehicle to help me bring back the mature of masculine, to help me prevent fatherlessness in whatever capacity you can, because it will be needed. It is how you can contribute to the movement and contribute to what this community is trying to achieve. So anyway, folks, thanks for watching and listening, and I'll see you guys in the next episode.